The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to With Wit. Okay, so today's podcast is a little bit different, but I am so touched to be able to share it with you. When I was in DC last week with the organization March 4th, I had the privilege of sitting down to talk to two incredible individuals and survivors. Dion Green, who lost his father in the Dayton, Ohio shooting, and Megan Dearman, who lost her six-year-old cousin in the Aurora movie theater shooting. They shared their experiences, their grief, and their hopes so generously with me. I feel so grateful for Dion and Megan and all of those who have taken their tragedies, and instead of becoming numb, they continue to find the strength to help others and push for change. I'm honored to give them space to share themselves and their stories. Some moments that really touched me from this episode were some words that they said like, there's no time limit on grief and you have a right to grieve and you have a right to ask for help. I just think that speaking about grief and grieving is so important and something that we sometimes tend to push down and don't know what necessarily to do with it because we're so afraid to be a burden to anyone else. And it's such a silent thing. And I always want my platforms and especially this podcast to be a place where you can escape from your grief. You can feel your grief. You can laugh with us. You can hear these inspiring stories. And then hopefully be able to empower yourself to engage in more conversations about it. And I think it will eventually open up your heart to be there for those who are going through it and to open up your heart to just more goodness so that the grief doesn't just overwhelm and end up drowning you. So just wanted to share that. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. I know it's a hard one and it's so difficult to put yourself into this mental space. And especially when so many of you come to this podcast for the light, airy fun of it all. But it is really important that we think about these victims, what they have gone through and not forget about them and think about what we can do in our own lives so that there aren't more and more and more of these kinds of American people who are losing their families to something that is so unnecessary. So thank you all so much for taking your time to listen. And I'm eager to hear what you think about this. Truly Hard Seltzer has a brand new party pack And let me tell you, it will be absolutely perfect for your Super Bowl party. There are a lot of hard seltzers out there, but a lot of them just aren't honestly for me. Like they're way too flavored, they're too sugary. But I found truly hard seltzers flavors to be nice and light and crisp, super easy to sip, so refreshing, and really just like the perfect drink to pop open while chilling outside with the fam. Truly believes life can be more refreshing when we can be real, 
let loose, embrace imperfection, and allow ourselves to be free from convention. That's why Truly has something for everyone in more than 30 unique flavors, including three lightly flavored mix packs, berry and new party pack. All the flavors are light, super refreshing, and made with real fruit juices. I love the citrus squeeze flavor, but I've been hearing lots of good things about the new raspberry flavor that comes in the party pack. And I love a raspberry situation. Like raspberries are a must in my smoothie. So excited to try this one. Truly hard seltzers are great to have on ice at a party along with the beer and the wine. And with only 5% ABV, 100 calories and one gram of sugar in each can, they don't weigh you down or bring on those next day headaches like wine sometimes definitely can. To find Truly Hard Seltzer near you, go to trulyhardseltzer.com slash locations. That's trulyhardseltzer.com slash locations. Truly Hard Seltzer, keep it light. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Megan and Dion, thank you so much for taking your time today to be a part of this and for sharing your stories. We were talking earlier and I can't even imagine how difficult it must be to not only live in your grief, but to then have to retell the story not knowing who's going to listen or who's going to do anything about it. And so it's just, it's so great to do this, not knowing what the end in sight is, but just to have this mission. I first just want to commend you both. First off, I just want to ask how you both are doing. You know, it's been some time, but I've, I've dealt with grief. My father passed away from something obviously very different, but Time doesn't heal, and these things keep happening. So just, I guess, simply, how, how are you both doing today? It is very difficult retelling the stories because it can be triggering. Mm-hmm. And even though your heart can be in this work and getting your story out, it's a very vulnerable position, mm-hmm. and it can bring back a lot of emotions, whether or not you choose you know, you don't want those emotions to come back, but it's almost like you have no choice. Right. Um, so I'm doing well. I'm happy that I can share and possibly help others and get the word out. But at the same time, it's it is difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. And 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 I'll second that. Um, you know, not a day goes by where this grief doesn't surface. Some days on the surface, you might see in a smiling. But we're really hurting inside, you know, mm-hmm. trying to move forward so our families and friends can move forward. But um, it's those moments where you find yourself just thinking about the past. And, you know, as we just know that we all just passed holidays and mm-hmm. those holidays are triggering, whether you lost someone to gun violence or just a loss, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but just, just being in that space and being able to share your story is so empowering to the next person because somebody's always going through something. Mm-hmm. And to be able to show the courage and vulnerability can also bring up the courage in that person that's thinking they're going to do it, do it alone. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what we need, more people to step out. You know, um, we can't address the situation if you don't tell us. It's so true. So, um, yes, it hurts, and you have to keep yourself surrounded with people that will refill you back up. Right. Because we pour so much into others, it takes from us. Right. You have to get your bucket filled you up know, again. And yeah. when I'm around other survivors, it's very re-energizing. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we laugh, we cry, mm -hmm. and we love one another, mm -hmm. and we don't have to share why we're going through that. It's so true. It's like no one else understands what you're going through except for the people who have gone through something like this. And I think that is sometimes what's so challenging about this country is like the difference between empathy and sympathy. And there's the survivors that rally around you and there's organizations like March 4th that rally around you. But I can imagine after the news cycle ends, it it can feel, you can feel slightly forgotten, right? Like, who is taking care of us now? And what happens to the community? And what do we do with all this grief? What was the immediate aftermath like for you both after the shootings? Well, it was my cousin that was affected. She lost her daughter as well, and so, to see someone I love go through all of that was very difficult because someone you love is going through, obviously, such a hard time. Mm -hmm. Seeing my family go through something so traumatic, it really changed the trajectory of my life and kind of shattered my view on the world. Mm -hmm. I thought that, you know, nothing like that could ever happen. Mm -hmm. I had seen it on the news very sparingly before. Unfortunately, it's not that way anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, I kind of realized that the world is a dangerous place. Mm -hmm. And I went through some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And going to a child's funeral after something like that is something nobody should have to do. Mm -mm. So I just carry a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, that's how it's different. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, this process changed me. Um, that night changed my life forever. I didn't know that that day would start with laughter and love. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the night, I'll be holding my father beside me in his arm, in mm -hmm. my arms, as he was shot five times along with nine other people that night. As I was performing CPR on him on the streets and telling him to get up, I seen him take his last breath like he wanted mm -hmm. to say something. And mm -hmm. um, I quit performing CPR and just wrapped my arms around him mm -hmm. and just kept telling him I love you. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to hear those last words before he transitioned to a place that's full of glory and, and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I still don't understand how I didn't die that night. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. For him to be shot five times mm -hmm. and we were side by side and not one bullet touched me, mm -hmm. there was a reason why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Your mother, I'm a father. That's mm -hmm. the one thing we'll give our life for. Our child. So for him to give his life mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. it's only right for me to help those in dark places to let them know that I know it seems dark, but mm -hmm. there is light. I know you feel hopeless, but there is hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I show up around the country to mm -hmm. mass shootings to let them know that I wish you wasn't here, but you're not alone. Mm -hmm. 
because we do feel alone at a lot of times. Like I can only imagine. You know, those resources be there and then they, <clears throat> they come. You know, I share that when these things happen, they want us to process our trauma mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like a quick stop car wash. Mm-hmm. They only want to clean the surface to make it look good for data. But what about the inside? Mm-hmm. And then when the engine blows, we can't find the shop to take it to to get it fixed. And I'm speaking as a term as a mental health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now because those resources are gone. So that's why I always challenge communities when I show up. Because just because that happened that day, my trauma might not resonate until next year or two years right, from now. Right. But those resources should still be there because there's no time limit on grief mm-hmm. or trauma. It's so true. It's so true. It's so challenging with grief and with trauma, with the thought, especially with something like this that feels like it can be controlled a little bit. It just feels, I can imagine that you just feel so alone and like so sometimes unheard. Like what did this life mean to, you know, with with everything that we're trying to do, it's like, where's the infrastructure? Where's the help? Did you feel afterwards And I know that you went and built something in Colorado, like a mental health facility to be able to to like help people and have a center where people could come to. But how were you guys actually dealing with your grief? How what resources were there for you afterwards or were there any and are there even resources now? Well, we are working on building a center for mental health in Colorado. Mm -hmm. After the shooting, we had something that was funded by a a mental health center Mm -hmm. out in Colorado. Mm -hmm. People could go and get mental health services, yoga, things like that. However, after the trial was completed, they closed up shop and kind of were like, you know, it's not needed anymore. But you're very right. You feel very alone after. And, you know, I call myself a survivor by empathy Uh because it wasn't me that was there. It was my cousin. Mm -hmm. However, I think people that are affected kind of with the ripple effect don't feel they can even have the right to get help, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I spent a lot of time feeling guilty for having grief or feeling very affected because Uh I thought that wasn't me, you know? Right. And even you know, people I loved would say, you weren't there, so, you know, you need to calm down about what happened, you know? And I spent a lot of my time after the shooting trying to be there for my cousin Mm -hmm. and heard a lot of things and and saw a lot that I wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. So, I um, mean, how can anybody prepare for anything like this? This is, and that's the hard part now is that as a mom, I'm faced with, all I want to do is prepare. All I want to do is think about what are the ways that this can't happen or what are the ways that I can protect my son and I feel helpless except for the fact that we take away these assault rifles that are doing the the damage, right? But it's like, what what can we do? Like, what do you tell people who are who are scared who are feeling like helpless like what what can we do so that we don't feel this fear sending our children to school where or wherever it is obviously it was a bowling alley it's a, a movie theater it could literally happen everywhere like what do you what do you say to people to try to give them some sense of like 
Comfort. I, yeah, when, it's, when it feels impossible to even get. And, you know, I always say, I know that it seems like the needle's not moving forward, mm-hmm. but we can't give up. We have to keep being loud. We got to keep showing up, you know. We just have to keep being present. Mm-hmm. It, does it feel hopeless? Yes, all the time, because we see it constantly over mm-hmm. and over and mm-hmm. over again. But we have to continue to keep being present. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I always say, love will always conquer hate. Mm-hmm. And we just need to just, just keep moving forward. And hopefully one day the world will just say, man, we're tired of this. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they should be saying it now. You know, there's so many families that are being brought in this network. You know, when I'm at home and I see a family and, and it's going through, I, I immediately go, I know what they're thinking right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of days, I'm in that community, working with the community, the families, just trying to be present. And sometimes I feel that I let them down. Yeah, I'm sure, but you know that there's nothing that you can do. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, what you both are doing right now is everything that you can do. But grief is such a hard thing. Like, you're never going to take away their grief for them as much as I'm sure you probably want to. Grief is such, it, it's so hard because I sit here feeling so guilty even for talking about grief. But I, I lost my father too. And so I, it's one of those things where the only way to feel understood is to talk about it. And the only way to feel comfort, comforted is to talk about it and talk to other people who have gone through it. Dealing with grief and, and showing that people are not so alone is the only way for people to not feel alone. And so it's so powerful what you're doing. And, you know, when I travel to places and, you know, it'd be the other people that say why these shootings happen, it'd be, they say the first thing they say, because they don't want to say the gun, they want to say mental health. Right. So I always have to, I always have to say this. Mental health plays a small part, but some people are just evil too. Mm-hmm. I always say if mental health is the, is the reason, I watched my house get taken by the tornadoes May 31st. 45 days later, I watched my father get killed beside me. Then COVID came. Uh-huh. Do you see me on the news radiating evil? I'm mm-hmm. out here trying to bring love and light into situations that are darkness. Mm-hmm. So I'm so tired of hearing the mental health part because... First of all, you're making a mockery of people that are really going through mental health. Right, right. And second of all is, I'm not displaying that. She's not displaying that. Right. We're, we're trying to do the whole opposite of that. But right. that is their... That's the rebuttal for the reason why. Yeah. Directly. So today, tell me a little bit about your mission and what you've been working on. Right now, it's just, I focus in so many areas, you know, I... I work with our youth, not only with mass shootings, I'm so I'm geared to changing community violence as well because mm-hmm. it happens all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And we see that the the age group is getting younger and younger. So I work with a lot of youth on social emotional learning because if we can make them think for one second about their choice, mm-hmm. it can stop them from being in prison or being six feet under the ground. Mm-hmm. So I I, I I really focus into gearing with our youth because Mm -hmm. they are our future. Mm -hmm. And we have to protect them by any means and let them know their value. Mm -hmm. Because when I speak to those kids, they feel like nobody's listening to them. Mm -hmm. And and I can second that. We always think that we have the answer for them Mm -hmm. and we never listen to them. So let's step back and listen to what they need instead of us putting what we think they need for our our benefit. Right. And then the other thing is just... um, 
Right now, it's a blessing. I haven't had to travel. Travel. My last travel was Maine. Uh, I usually travel to mass shooting sites yeah. and work with the families just to make sure because that someone is working with them. Because I know personally, and they know how we didn't get the support, mm-hmm. and I felt alone. Mm-hmm. And when you feel alone in this space, it's when it gets dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I always want people to know, you know. And you would you would know this. Everybody would know that's lost a loved one. When we lose a loved one or a family member, we empower before the funeral because our mm-hmm. family's there. This, mm-hmm. this, and that. Mm-hmm. But when everybody go back to their mm-hmm. normal life, mm-hmm. that's the what if. It's the loneliest. What could I should I say? What should I done wrong? So now the that guilt. the pressure and the anger. So that's mm-hmm. just, so that's when I wrap my arms around them more. I don't mm-hmm. put I don't press resources on them because for me, we're still in a. In, a, in like a fight or flight mode yeah, yeah. right after. Like before yeah. we turn into a butterfly, we're still yeah. in. So, you know, I just let them know I'm there. I'm calling and checking on them. Are you getting out the house? Mm-hmm. Because when they're ready, they know I'm there. Then they'll call, hey, Dion, is the resources still available? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that means they're ready because they're, they called me. Mm-hmm. It has to be on their own timeline. You know? So, you know, just, just being there, being present and building relationships and trust because you have these entities and organizations that are only coming in for five or six days and then mm-hmm. they're gone, then you gotta share your story again, then they're gone, then you gotta share your story again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's building trust and letting you know that I'm really there and hey, I know this organization from all over the country, this organization, like if you wanna get in support groups and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So just giving the giving what you that think, I didn't get. Mm-hmm. What kind of support would you have wanted right after? Like what would that have looked like right after and for months? afterwards what did you feel like you guys both needed the most just to tell me what to do next yeah i've never been through this right i'm lost right i was i was lost so that's why you know how much burden that takes off of people when i work with families i say hey listen enjoy your family i will take care of everything until they need your handcock mm-hmm. or whatever but mm-hmm. cry lean on your family let them love on you don't worry about nothing else. I do all the footwork because it takes that burden off. But when you don't have that and you're doing this and that Some, and planning funerals, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is the most stressful time. Situation. And you're you still trying even, to grieve. Right. Like you you don't even have the mental capacity to grieve because you're so focused on all the red tape of everything else that has just happened. So just trying to take a load off someone in mm-hmm. a time where the world is carrying the world mm-hmm. and it's and it's a painful world yeah. to care mm-hmm. and what about for you well i wanted to mention like the work that i'm trying to do yes, as well please. and i think as someone who is affected by what we call the ripple effect someone who wasn't at the tragedy but maybe a family member a friend mm-hmm. or even someone in the community mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the word out that you have a right to grieve. You have mm-hmm. a right to ask for help. It's crazy that you even have to justify your emotions that way. Yeah, well, thank you for acknowledging that. And I, too, hope that the youth that are going through this, I mean, I was scared enough of tornado drills when mm-hmm. I was in school. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine having to go to school and do mm-hmm. a drill for a mass shooter, mm-hmm. you know, the kids these days, I feel like, are living with so much chaos. Mm-hmm. And you're very right, Dion. We need to ask them what it is that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the Mental Health Center, we do want to focus on youth. Mm-hmm. But if I could say after the tragedy, what I saw that was needs is yeah. the media was very invasive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you feel like they're 
want just the story right. and then they're gone. Right. They just you know? want the horror yeah. of it all and then they're yeah. Yeah, so respect and and training for media mm-hmm. and even if some people in the media could learn about resources and then give them to people they're interviewing mm-hmm. after, but I know mm-hmm. all of this unfortunately is new territory. Mm-hmm. Although it's happening all the time, I think that resources or research needs to be done Mm -hmm. as well. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what we're doing here. And with you asking like what we need, this is also what's needed is Mm -hmm. getting the word out. And in addition to that, people that live with long-term life injuries, Mm -hmm. I saw that, you know, not only my cousin, but friends that I had known that were affected, injured, they need help with the medical bills Mm -hmm. and the medical system and Mm -hmm. navigating and rehabbing and then not only the resources for them, but the family that's going through that as well. Mm-hmm. Family counseling, we could have really benefited from to mm-hmm. try to navigate this because mm-hmm. as you know, nobody knows how. I would like, and I, I love that you said that because I, I always forget the things that I've done. So in Ohio and all across the country, there's a there's a bucket of money called VOCA. Okay. So it's for anybody to have experience of violent crime that helps with burial expenses, if you got to take off counseling. So in Ohio, a lot of the survivors got denied that. So I fought that law in 2020 when we got sting, but it got pushed back to stand your ground. And then we fought it again and we got it passed in Ohio. Oh my gosh. That's that's what made me started this fight because I got denied vocal because my dad was nine years and six months from not being in trouble and you had to be 10 years. Okay. We received help from the state of Ohio, but he didn't ask to die. Right. we, we got that bill changed in 2022, and it made it retroactive so everybody can go back and reapply. Now I don't care if you've been in trouble. And that takes a lot of a lot of stress off people because a lot of people don't have insurance. But I can't. So, so now it helps with barrel expense, mental health, if you got to take That's off amazing. work. That's amazing. And it's something that I'm championing across the country trying right. to work with because VOC is very big. It's a very big issue, and there's a lot of money in those pots. Uh-huh. But the application process is crazy, and they want you to fill it out in the midst of a tragedy. Right, right. The, the the expectations of what you need to do, and then it's like, this is too difficult, I can't even do this, and then you don't have any support or help. But, right, it's just, it seems so obvious to me. You know, it seems so like something happens like this in a town in our country, and I feel like mental health therapy, someone taking on those expenses, and those is just like, it, it should just be obvious and, and there. But I think that this it's really important to have those conversations to mm-hmm. give like practical tools because it's just inevitable. I mean, how how does that make you guys feel like when you see these when you see it happen again? Is it like that feeling just floods through you again? Well, we were actually just speaking about this before we did the interview. Yes. When you see that news you're you're right back mm-hmm. where you were mm-hmm. the day that it happened and it's a lingering feeling that sometimes i can't even get rid of with the most positive thinking mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. you're so back in that moment i feel like a lot of people are becoming numb to mm-hmm. these situations which mm-hmm. is also disheartening for me and you know even being sensationalized sometimes of people just again, wanting the story and wanting to learn more about it, but are you actually seeing these people that have been through it right. and what they're saying right. and what they're trying to change? So, yeah. Yeah, it's so hard because I'm sure the editing and whatnot is not always 
what you're putting out there is not necessarily always the story that's being told too. So you can't always control the narrative. Yes. And the images that are shared sometimes, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. unnecessary, mm-hmm. very just clickbait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not not th- keeping not survivors in mind, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of time they're blaring the face of whoever did it and giving them attention and notoriety. And mm-hmm. I want to say, like, stop sharing their stories or why they did it and right. start focusing on the community that was affected and what they need help with. Right. Oh, you guys, thank you so, both so much for taking the time to do this. Thank do you, you feel like I missed anything that you wanted to share? Uh, I just want to say thank you for even asking. <sighs> for even asking, like, that little thing right there means so much because people don't ask, how, how are you doing, Dion? I, 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 it boggles my mind. Are you still in, in Dayton. Dayton, Ohio? Yes. Yeah, and you're still in Aurora, Colorado. So it's something I'm sure that you're reminded of every single day. Well, in Dayton, Ohio, no, because for real, they don't want to speak about what happened. It's like ignorance is bliss. You know what bothers me the most is people in that city, I would run across somebody like, yes, do you remember the mass shooting? No, when did that happen? No. How do you don't know what happened in your backyard? That's what upsets me a lot. The ignorance and just like pretending like it doesn't happen. Right. It's almost like they know, but it's too, like, maybe they don't want to admit it or they're too embarrassed to say they don't know or whatnot. But it's like the ignorance must be so infuriating, but must also charge you both to continue to speak up. And, you know, you would never hear about that. But the fight that I do that comes from the heart, it keeps Dayton, Ohio name. But I keep everybody's name because I speak on everywhere that's not mm-hmm. getting attention. Like I told her, we just sing, but we're not heard. Right. So I show up in those rooms. I be that voice, and it brings up Dayton. But you would never hear about us until maybe the day of the shooting, and probably wouldn't hear about it then. Right. And, and no it, one from the just, government checks back in with you. No, not or at all. There's no check-in. There's no, no not at all. like. And it also depends on the community, Mm -hmm. you know, and how many resources they have, or Mm -hmm. if it's an underprivileged community, Mm -hmm. you know, the news is there and then gone. And I know I was reading or watching the special on Uvalde, Mm -hmm. and it's like even people in that community were going against the families trying to make change because they didn't think that it was necessary. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's. It's important for people, for, like what Dion is doing is so, so important so. And, and so difficult to keep it visible and real mm-hmm. because it's not just something that you get past and it's no. like... And it's not going away either. No. It's a constant issue that has been an issue since, I mean, for 20 years now, it's been back to back to back to back shootings and it's enough. And, and another thing of with the media... When these families get to becoming divisive and division, it's a part because, like mine, we had two mass shootings by day. You don't hear about El Paso. Mm-mm. It seems like when the shooting is more of a black and brown community, it's like I said, we're seen, but we're not, we're not heard. heard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it makes family think, like, so why my voice or my loved one doesn't matter, but theirs does. Like, And yeah. it continued to happen. That's why I always say, Hey, shine your light on Odessa, shine your light on El Paso, because I speak to them. Yeah. 
They, they need, need resources. They need to know let, that let their American lives are valued. Right. That all everybody needs to feel like their life is valued. Like they live in a country where their life is important. And it is it is beyond disheartening to think that our lives don't matter enough. But we get to in change. we get in a space where she knows more about this or makes them a. a more, more educated on this. Mm-hmm, I always mm-hmm. tell when I'm in the room. Mm-hmm. My, when I lost my father, that's not the first time I experienced gun violence. I've been experiencing gun violence and losing family and friends all my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't think my father would die in that mm-hmm. way that he did. You know, and I was there. I have survivor guilt. I, I was I going ask to no ask time, that. Yeah. Know, I have survivor guilt, but, you know, it, it, it kind of bothers. Like, what makes them more educated than what I am through? And a With lot of, your experience. Yeah, like, a, you lived it. And a mm-hmm. lot of... And a, but a lot of people have never even experienced gun violence until they met this mm-hmm. this shooting. Mm-hmm. So bring all voices to the table. I agree. Yes. You know, everyone everyone should be heard. Everyone should be heard. Bring all voices to and, the table. And, and it's so amazing that you say that because out of everyone, you like you were saying before, you could be the people with the chip on your shoulder that are like angry, but you're out here inspiring and sharing your story and like, spreading strength and goodness. So that's it, that's even stronger. I, I never knew it until somebody said, Dan, not only are you a survivor, you're a victim too. I'm a survivor and Oh my a victim. God, 100%. I think you got, I mean, tech, I feel like you guys are both survivors and victims. Like this is, this is something that happened to both of your families. You saw it, you witnessed, like you lived it. And, and then to have to cope with that, to have to cope with that, to learn how to cope with grief, and then to take on everybody else's, it's just really extraordinary, you guys. It really is. Thank you. And sorry, one last note Please, I want to say is anything. going off what Dion said, banning assault rifles and the mass gun shootings that we're seeing, yes, it's plaguing us, but there mm-hmm. is like different places that have individual gun violence every day. Mm-hmm. And so I urge the moms that are you know, worried about their kids in school, mm-hmm. not only to focus on the mass shootings, mm-hmm. but also, yeah, the other community. communities that are having daily gun violence. Mm-hmm. All life matters. All yes. life matters. And focusing on our youth and taking care of them. Good takeaway. Thank you guys both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.